Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 157. And today we ask the question, what does coaching look like? as the teacher and their needs evolve. We've got a lot of funny stories about that, and we have a great guest, a recent coach who produced an amazing book with the help of ISTE. We're going to talk about the conference, the book, and what to look forward to this year, what we're looking forward to as coaches. But before we get onto that, I want to bring on Sue Vincent. Sue, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I am great. Great to be back. Great to have all of you guys out there listening to us and we are just swimming along up here in Kentucky, and um, we're about four weeks into the school year. Labor Day weekend is happening here soon as we record this, so we're ready for the long weekend and some relaxation time, hopefully. It's funny you say swimming. We up here in Connecticut, uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, uh, and, you know, the previous night that we were recording this, major floods, major storms, major destruction in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, all major states of emergency. So if you are in that tri-state New York borough area, I hope everything went well. If you're around the country, obviously there's a lot of stuff happening yes. in Florida and California. But guys, let us know that you're out there. You can always reach out to this show in multiple ways. You can find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. We like using the hashtag TechCoachEDU. And of course, if you head on over to askthetechcoach.com, you can join our free professional development network. That's right. The TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network is free for everybody. Check it out over on askthetechcoach.com. Join over 350 amazing coaches from not just around the country, but literally from around the world, all working together, helping out. And starting in October, Sue, we're going to get back into our Tech Coach Roundtables, checking out everything that's happening in the world of instructional coaching, digital learning, tech coaching, you name it. We have a lot of stuff for you guys, so check it out over on askthetechcoach.com. My guest today... I'm so excited about. We had a great conversation before the recording started. She is currently the Digital Learning Initiative Consultant for the North Carolina Department of Public Instructions. What does that mean? Probably means she has two business cards. I want to bring on Dr. Ashley McBride. Ashley, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I am doing really well. Thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, that's a mouthful of a job title. And <laughs> I got to ask the question here. We've said this once. We've said this a hundred times. If you get 10 tech coaches in the room, you have 25 job descriptions. But I don't think we've ever had a digital learning initiative consultant for the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. <gasps> what does that mean? <laughs> So in the state of North Carolina, um, there is a law that says that we're going to have a digital learning plan, and I'm the person who manages that plan. So um, the state's plan for digital learning, we have rubrics that the school districts um, try to advance in um, to 
better implement educational technology and technology in general. So I, I manage all of those state level contracts and things. That's um, awesome. I'm smiling and, and that's, I, I'm looking forward to learning all about that. Well, now I've only been doing this for a month and I, the people that I've been able to talk to and connect with. So I, I work with a number of our outside partnerships and like I was on the phone with PBS kids one day and my son was in the vehicle with me because of course I was in the car taking the meeting as I'm picking him up from school. Um, and he's like, mom, I was on mute. He was like, mom, who are you talking to? I said, PBS. He goes, they make some of my favorite shows. It was, <laughs> that was so sweet. <laughs> So I, it's it's been good. I love that part of the job. The other day it was, Daddy's talking to Lego education. I'm like, yep, that, that that's the cool guy right there. I'm I'm talking to Lego. Yep. So Ashley, talk to us a little bit about something else that I know you're excited about. We're gonna dive into this a lot, this show, and and you know, we'll we'll give out the links, but you recently teamed up with ISD for something pretty awesome. Tell us a little bit about it. So yeah, it's a book. It's uh, called the EdTech Coaching Primer. Um, and really it is a bunch of research that I did while I was working on my doctoral program at Central Michigan University. I have to give a plug. Um, so I was working on my, doctor on my doctorate and I had been a teacher, an ed tech coach, a tech director. So it's a mixture of those two things. All of the research that I have that supports um, best practices in teacher professional development and coaching and mixed with all of my experience from being a teacher in the classroom who really would have loved to have a coach, um, a, an ed tech coach who, when I walked into the position, wasn't 100% sure what I was getting myself into. Um, and then just, it was kind of like, I needed something. I needed a, a book or a guide or something to kind of tell me how to start in this position and how to do the job so that I was really working with teachers on better instructional practices with technology. Um, and then I kind of built my own framework around myself, built some resources while I was coaching. And then as a tech director, I had ed tech coaches that worked with me and I did professional development for them. Um, and we would um, work through what their job is supposed to look like so that they can really um, help the support systems for teachers. So it's really just all of those things meshed into one book. So I, it's got a lot of great resources and I could talk about it all night. And I, <laughs> the, the website well, is edtechcoachingprimer.com. The Twitter yes. is a plus ed tech. We're going to have links to all of these things over on ask the tech coach episode number 156. Sue, I got to say, I'm looking forward to hearing what Ashley has to say about all of this stuff. Cause it seems like this book has everything that we've been talking about for a while now. What do you think, Sue? Oh, my goodness. It's so exciting. And in preparing for our conversation this evening as we were recorded, I've been glancing through the book and just perusing all that the things, all the things that are in there. So just kind of starting at the beginning, Ashley, you start at the beginning and you talk about just the state of coaching ed tech coaching, instructional coaching, what have you. And it talks about some of those role, roles um, from the 2019 ISTE standards that came out. So talk to us a little bit about just what are your feelings on just the state of coaching in general? You know, is it still a thing? 
is it not? Is it? It should be. What's going on? Yeah. Give us your thoughts. So I think it's a misunderstood position. Um, and I'm not just talking about ed tech coaches. I'm talking instructional coaches um, right. who also utilize technology. And um, I just think that it's, it's often the position that seems to get cut. I've heard of a number yeah. of districts who they'll throw, throw the money out there and they'll say, let's put a coach in every school. And then they end up cutting those positions. It, it, it's, it's something that I feel like is needed at every single school. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it it's because, like I said, coaching is misunderstood. And a lot of people misunderstand it as a professional developer who talks about educational technology or just gives professional development. So, for instance, you'll have an ed tech coach who's a district ed tech coach, but they'll serve 20, 30 schools. If you're serving 20, 30 schools, you're not really able to dig deep and coach. So you can't do coaching cycles. You can't do um, personalized um, supports for teachers like co-teaching, co-planning. So that's really where I think we are is we're at this point where especially with COVID, maybe we've started to realize, okay, how can we support teachers as they're going through all of this learning? Because throwing webinars at them and just throwing professional learning at them isn't the thing. Absolutely. And I think we've seen kind of that roller coaster over the years. I've been a tech coach for over 15 years now. I always lose count, but something to that effect. And when I first started, there weren't very many coaches in our state here in Kentucky. There were some just kind of conglomerated around. And then the next few years, grants started coming out, some federal funding happened. We were, I mean, there were so many tech coaches and then it dwindled again. And then here comes COVID and they're coming back again. So it's just like you said, it's definitely misunderstood. And it's almost, oh, we need a coach now or we see we need a coach now. But it's often forgotten about when maybe things are a little more, do I use the word calm? (laughs) They're a little more calm. It's often forgotten about. So so that's where we as coaches have to work, work really, really hard to, you know, ourselves well when it's calm budgets get cut too absolutely so i mean you can see that correlation there the research has shown since the 80s that coaching is is effective um so the research is there it's just a matter of whether we're going to be able to or we're actually listening to the research and funding these positions so that brings me to my next point and this came to my mind when we were talking at the introduction there and you're in charge of like the technology planning side of things. So one thing that it's so important in the area of coaching is that that district or state level, district level, building level have those technology plans in place. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of those and how those can help cast that vision. So, I think that it's really those those types of plans need to be based on growth and you have to have something to kind of measure that growth. So you've got to set the goals. Um, so when I was a district um, administrator, when I was a district ed tech coach, uh, not ed tech coach, sorry, uh, district technology director, um, 
what I did was we looked at um, where we currently were. We measured where we were in every single school and measured using that information. We gathered data on where we were as a district and we made plans like you would with any um, any school improvement plan or anything like that. Um, and it was specifically on the technology department and ed tech coach or ed tech. Then we took that and we took all of the school data and we really focused in on what the schools wanted to, um, what the schools wanted to work on because there's always many places where we can where we can work and I had an ed tech coach and a librarian in every single school so I had a team who gathered this data analyzed this data created a plan for their school they said here's our vision of what we want to do here's the goal that we want to meet this year and here's all of the training and all of the supports we need to offer and here's how we need to do it. So they'd create a plan, present it to their principal. In some cases, we had principals who actually worked on the plan with their ed tech coach and with their librarian. Um, but then they got it approved by their building. And so every single school had an educational technology um, improvement plan. The district had a plan. Um, and I think that's why, uh, that's what I hope to be doing with the state of North Carolina is being able to work on, okay, here's the state's plan and then work with schools and districts to be able to do something similar to what we did uh, in our county. Talk so to what, us a little bit about that. You said you're, you're measuring things. What, what did that look like and, and how long did that process take? Um, um, it took a while. So toward the end of the year, we would measure where we were so we had the summer to kind of look over everything and then when school improvement plans were due and in the state of north carolina we have a digital learning progress rubric so it's part of that overall digital learning plan that i'm now the person for um but there's a rubric can do you devices um do you have a coach single school, which is actually on the rubric. Um, do you have a librarian in every school? You know, those types of things. And so how, how is professional development delivered? Is it personalized? Are you doing personalized instruction? So there was a rubric there that we would use that rubric to gather that data. So was this um, done through observation, anecdotal notes, forms? Um, so, so again, the ed tech coaches and librarians are at, in that district are um, in those schools, they're embedded in those schools. So they are with teachers all the time, doing observations, doing professional development. So they understand the school, but then they also pulled together an MTAC, a Media Technology Advisory Committee. And one of the tasks was for the MTAC to come together and pull this data. And so for like a secondary school, you might have one person uh, from each um, curriculum type. So you might have a English teacher, a science teacher, a math teacher, somebody from each PLC comes and represents at that MTAC. So they all have a really good understanding of what's going on in the classrooms. And then the ed tech coach and librarian are in observing, doing co-teaching, co-planning throughout the year. So everybody should have an idea of where, where they are. So then as a group, they kind of did that rubric together. 
that that's such such great stuff and we've talked about technology planning in several episodes back so if you're interested more in technology planning we have some back episodes but i want to encourage you to you know look through ashley's book out there if you're new to coaching and you know looking for some of these ideas take a look at the book and get some more ideas and you know contact her for some you know extra help there um this is great stuff and it's kind of motivating here on my end to just encouraging to get some new ideas on approaching some of this stuff what about you jeff what how's the you know what I'm, are you I'm, thinking i'm thinking a lot of things here ashley because putting together these plans and we were talking about this earlier like the concepts that you're talking about are things that i remember working with in my previous district the, the 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 thing that I've always come up with is how do you get that district buy-in? How do you, you know, I, I've always looked at this and I've even when I've taught this subject, if the coach is the one spearheading this, it's not going to work. And I see you, you you're kind of shaking your head in this. Like the tech coach can't be the one to say we're going to make an improvement plan for the school that's going to change the face of professional learning across the district. Right. And so I have my theory on this answer. I've talked a lot about my theory on this answer, but I want to get it from you. Who should be leading this one? The principals. If you want school buy-in, you, you need to get the principal to buy in. I've had, and then you've also got to have superintendent support. I mean, it, it's great to have superintendent support and you need that. Um, as a tech director, you, I, I needed the superintendent to say, yes, this technology plan is going to be a part of your school improvement plan. I, I needed that, that support. But um, I did have some schools uh, some schools would jump in and the principal would support it by saying, yes, you're going to have uh, professional development availability. Like I'm going to block out time with the PLCs and those PLC, everybody will be able to do their PD. We're going to schedule it at the beginning of the year. We're going to make sure it's happening. You're going to be in doing coaching. You're going to be in doing um, observations and coaching entire coaching cycles. You're going to be co-teaching, co-planning. But then I had others who still want ed tech coaches to plan testing or <laughs> or teach, do teach other a, things. Teach a class of kids. Yes, right. teach a class. Let me let me let me take this ed tech coach and they can teach one second period class. That's not gonna hurt anything, right? But right. it they're, does. They're gonna take a they're gonna take a coach that has multiple buildings that person's in charge of, and you're teaching a, a third period class in my school. Right. And I mean, and so in our situation, like I said, each coach was only at one school. So that made it almost harder because then they were like, well, you know, but they're there. And I'm like, yes, but they're there to support teachers. They're there to be in their classes when they need them. And if you've pulled them for a second period class, you've pulled their freedom. So like if you're co-planning with a teacher, well, they might have the same class, first period, second period, third period. Well, if you're going to co-present or co-teach with that teacher, they can't do it second period. So then that teacher is going to be like, well, if I've got to do it by myself anyway, second period, why, you know, how, they're going to be in here first and third. That's a different, that's a different setup. You know, I, I love the way that our district has it set up. The, you know, teachers are obviously owned by the principal and the building, but the coaches are owned by central office. 
And so for myself, I don't have a schedule. I'm, you know, my, like a, a principal could never say you are stuck here for this period of time. Like right. we have the total autonomy to, to get the job done. And I love that. And, and that's, that's what research tells us. Um, there was a research study and this was on math coaches. They did it with, um, I believe it was Vanderbilt, um, did this. They do a, a math coaching study every single year. And the research showed that there was, um, better outcomes with math coaches who they reported to somebody at the district level, but they belonged to a specific school. So they were able to be in the school, be a part of the community, answer questions and be there as the teachers needed them because they weren't jumping from school to school. But then they had the district person to kind of be able to come in and go, nope, nope, they're not doing testing. <laughs> nope, nope, that's nope. You can't put them in second period class. <laughs> we, we, we call that a chapter five. Anybody who's been following our series on coaching matters and stuff like you, you need to have that somebody come in and coaching go champion. This is, you need to have that coaching champion. This is the way the position's going to run. No, they're not doing lunch duty. Like, no, they're not doing hallway right. duty. They need to be able to work and do and, and, and put all these things together. Um, Talk to us a little bit about writing the book. Like you said, you you got your doctorate. You're working on what? Did you did you have the book in mind while doing the doctorate? Did somebody say this dissertation's awesome? Put a hardcover on it. Did you talk with ISTE a long time ago? What was that process like to actually get this thing out? And how does it feel now that it's ha now that it's here? So, actually, years ago when I was an ed tech coach, I had kept. I kept thinking, why isn't there something that tells me kind of where I'm supposed to go? There were the ISTE standards and those were standards I was trying to meet. And I love the ISTE standards and they are completely throughout my book. But it was, what does this look like? What does this feel like? And where are the resources to help me get to the, to meeting those standards? Um, I remember just thinking to myself, you know, I, would love for some, like some sort of structure. I'm a very structure checklist type person. <laughs> so I wanted somebody to come in and say, okay, bucket number one, bucket number two, bucket. These are your buckets of responsibilities. Go forth and conquer. I didn't have that. I got a, you're going to help teachers with technology. And that was, <laughs> that was my guidance at first. Um, so I, I, ended up building a structure around myself that was built on professional development. And then I went in and I did coaching with teachers and I did co-teaching and co-planning. And um, I was kind of making it up as I went along. And then I left the position and was in the same district. So I was working district level um, as a project manager uh, because I knew I wanted to be a tech director, but I needed the technical side of the house type thing. I knew instructional technology. I needed to learn technical. So when I was in that position, somebody said to me, well, you don't need an ed tech coach at every school. And I said, I really think you do. And this was someone who had the power to get rid of <laughs> some of the positions. And I really fought back and I said, no, I really do think you do. I, you know, I was busy every day. I was supporting teachers in this way and that way. And they said, well, you're just that kind of person. It's not. And so they were saying that it was because it was me. And that's where the thought came to me. No, no. I think that people could be, could, if you give them a structure, 
then it's easier to jump into that position if that makes sense. You know what I mean by that? A hundred percent. Okay. And, you know, th those who have listened to these shows know I've, I've come from a system that worked. I've come from a system that didn't work. And I'm in a system now that is amazing. And we're growing what we want the system to be. And, yeah, working with coaches, people who are listening to this, people in our tech coaches network, many of them have the – I'm here. I've got all the energy in the world, but people don't know what to do with me or I don't know how to sell myself or a direction. I'm not the light bulb fixer. You know, all, all of those things that we talk about this. My question to you on this, why was it important for all of these ideas? Why team with ISTE? I think, well, ISTE's the the ed tech place, right? I mean, when you think of... Um, the big ed tech conference, I always think ISTE. Um, and ISTE books are well known for being research-based. Um, and I wanted something that I knew would get into the hands of ed tech coaches. And I figured ISTE could do that with me. Um, I, I'm not the type of person to just like, constantly throw out on like Twitter or something like that. Like I even have a friend who um, we'll be talking to, we were at uh, NCAT, which is a um, North Carolina uh, place for teacher professional development. And we were just sitting there talking and she was like, Hey, did you know that she wrote a book and she knows about ed tech coaching and all of this? I don't, I, I don't just bring those things up in conversation. So I, I know that about myself. And one of the things I really wanted from ISTE was to kind of help me to promote this idea. Um, I'm very, very passionate about ed tech coaches and advocating for making sure that teachers have support in implementing technology and changing the way um, that we look at education. And I knew that ISTE had that advocation or that advocacy um, lens that they could help me to get to that point. There's a lot of people out here that might be listening to this who are new coaches. And we've thrown out a few buzzwords already, you know, coaching, light coaching, heavy coaching, moderating, co-planning, modeling, all these different things. What advice do you have when somebody works with you and says, look, it's my first month. It's the middle of September. I've done the introductions. And now, Ashley, what do I do next? How do I become successful? Get to know your teachers. Um, relationships are the most important piece. Um, it seems we've covered that before. Yeah, I think, I think That's the bottom line. Like 157 <laughs> yes. times already. But I think, I think w what I ended up doing to drum up business when I first became an ed tech coach was I knew everybody. I, I had about 100 teachers in my school, and we were a secondary school, so they had, a, you know, seven class periods. I had a a cheat sheet of who was on planning what periods and I would casually walk by when they were on plannings and just pop in my head and I'd say hey just checking in on you how's it going uh, do you need any support from me and I can't tell you how many times I had people go oh I've been meaning to to ask you this but I just and there I I, I didn't want to bother you or I I just hadn't gotten it in an email yet so 
finding those empty spaces, which aren't empty spaces. Teachers don't necessarily have empty spaces, but. And, um, and the trick is finding that. Ashley, I've been wanting to ask you about this too. Somehow a coach has to turn that into the coaching cycle of, you know, because you, you, can, you can answer that question sometimes in five seconds and be out the door. Or you can say, let's sit down with that tomorrow. Yes. And there's a line because mostly the, when the coach says, Ashley, do you have a second? They really do mean, do you have one second? They're not looking for you to say, I'm going to start a four-week process with you <laughs> where we're going to write down and document things. Right. And we're going to pull out the standards. How do no, – no, look, I'm not saying this is a personal question because I'm in a new building and I'm trying to make relationships too. But – um. How do you change those? Do you have a second to, you know, coaching cycles? Um, so coaching cycles, that's, that's a hard one because a lot of, I don't think a lot of ed tech coaches do coaching cycles. So part of my dissertation was, um, part of my dissertation was talking, doing interviews with ed tech coaches. And when I did that, I asked them, do you do a formal coaching cycle? And the majority of them said no. Um, they said that their uh, coaching was more informal where they would talk them through specific problems and things like that. Um, coaching cycles are a different beast. It's somebody really find it to, uh, growth. Um, I would find one or two people for coaching cycles. Don't start with, we're doing coaching cycles this year. Let me book all like 10, 20 teachers. I'd say start with one, maybe two of your teachers who are most interested in growth, who you have really, really good relationships with. And then explain to them what the coaching cycle looks like. I'm going to come in, I'm going to observe you, you're going to do some reflecting and I'm going to give feedback. And then we're going to find something that I can specifically support you in. And because teachers don't know, I mean, nobody knows what they don't know. I, I can, I can, I would have loved to have as a classroom teacher, somebody come in and observe me in a non-evaluative way where I, it wasn't, they're going to be doing my professional evaluations in any way. I never had that. I, I would have loved to have somebody come in and say, what if you did this? Or can you help, like, let's think through this together and let's plan and co-teach and, co you know, all of those pieces. So, um, so it's a support. That's the question where I even get confused. I know, I know me, but do you go to the teachers and say, we'd like to do a co or do you just say, Hey, do you mind if I come in tomorrow and sit in the back and you naturally make it happen? Or do you believe that the principal should say we're starting coaching cycles and Ashley's going to be. I, I, I don't think about the, I don't think the last one. No. Um, okay. The principal should be aware of the coaching cycles and I don't mean be aware as in no, even specifically who you're doing it with, um, more of a, um, it needs to be a very natural, and maybe you put it in a menu and say, I, I do offer coaching cycles and just present it to people and say, here's what this is. And then tell people, I told people all the time, I was like, when I come in your room, I'm just coming to watch and see what I can learn. 
because I, I can't do good professional development if I don't know what's going on in your classroom. I can't help you if I don't know what's going on in your classroom. And some of that would turn into a coaching cycle where I would observe and then they would ask me a question and then we would go and then I'd start to say, well, this is a coaching cycle. Here's how we can make sure that we're meeting your goals. Um, but it's, it's really about getting other people to um, jump on and then tell other people how awesome it is to have you working with them in such a close capacity. I, I, I agree. And I, and I talk about the language, right? And Sue and I have talked about the language. It's not, can I yeah. come in the back of your room and sit? It's, Sue, can I come in and learn about your curriculum? And, and that's a much less invasive way than saying, Sue, I'm going to sit in the back with my computer and I'm going to pull up the screen and I'm going to be typing, but it's not an observation. You know, you've got new teachers, you've got veteran teachers. What's your tips and tricks for, you know, starting coaching cycles without putting the big sign around your neck to say, I'm coming for a coaching cycle? Find the most open mind, open minded um, teachers who are always coming to you asking for support and advice and um, want you there. You're, you're going to find them once you start working in there and you're doing a little bit of professional development and you're offering supports like co-teaching, co-planning, um, things like that. Um, and then as those people keep coming to you excited about, let's co-plan this, let's do this, then ease into it by saying, what if we did a coaching cycle? Because then I could observe, we could really think through reflection and feedback, and I will better be able to give you these supports because I will better understand your needs because I will be seeing it on a regular basis. Um, so get those early adopters um, and then let them be your advocates to get more people into coaching cycles. I don't suggest that anybody who's a first, second year um, coach to just jump in and um, start a whole bunch of coaching cycles all at once and say, this is mandated or this is something we're doing. I suggest getting the relationships and finding out who your early adopters are first. And that kind of segues into another part that stood out to me as I was browsing the book is creating that impactful professional learning and being able to sit in those classes to get a better idea of how to create that. What, what are some ways that, you know, as we observe classes, work with teachers, do these coaching cycles that we can then work further on creating that impactful PD? So you've seen what the teachers are doing in their classrooms and you might see things that they're not seeing. So an example would be like I and, and I'll go back to when I was student teaching. When I was student teaching, I had somebody tell me, Ashley, do you know that you teach to the right? And I was always apparently teaching to the right side of the class. And I wasn't like because I'm right handed and I would just naturally like do that. And so they came and they told me that, but they were sitting in there. Now that was a, you know, that was them talking to me as a student teacher. Um, but instances like that. So you've seen all of this stuff and you can see the trends in your school. And seeing those trends will help you to be able to better create professional development. So a better example might be you've gone through and you've noticed that you have a lot of teachers who are using um, Kahoot. 
uh, or Pear Deck, or they're using the same tool over and like every teacher. I remember as an ed tech coach, I had one student come up to me and said, can you please tell the teachers to stop using enter um, ed tech tool there? Cause I don't want to slander anybody. Um, but it was the fact that every single teacher was using it in every single class period. And when you have seven classes in a day and you're doing it 14 times a week, it gets boring. Um, so, I had to go and say, okay, you like doing this because it does this for you. What if, and then I was able to do professional development that tailored to what um, the needs were without the teachers even realizing there was a need. What's your motive? Uh, motivation isn't the right word here, Ashley, but what, what's your method for doing that? Like if you're in the back and you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, I'm watching another Kahoot. Do you say, hey, I'm going to come in tomorrow with a lesson? Do you say, let's sit down in the back during your period. I'm going to show you something different. Or, you know, how do you suddenly get every teacher to stop using one particular tool and shift them into maybe six different tools or whatever? Um, well, I don't like to do entire professional developments on specific tools. That's, I mean, that's first and foremost. So all of the professional development that I would design as an ed tech coach was here is a strategy or an idea um, or a structure. It, it was an instructional, it was a pedagogy uh, lesson. And then I would say, here's four or five tools that could help you with that. And if you want to talk about the tool, let's meet one-on-one -on -one and you and I can work with the tool together. And then a lot of teachers, you've got, like you said, high flyers and you've got the people who are just going to go forth and do, that's enough for them. They explore those tools themselves and they take off running. And then you have other teachers who will go, okay, so I'm doing review and here's strategies for review and here's some tools that can help. I think I'm interested in this one. Can you come and show it to me? Um, I had one teacher who would not work with a tool unless I was literally sitting next to her and she, and I told her what to click. She thought she was going to break the internet. Um, but, uh, I had others who would just take it and run. So I really think it depends on your teachers and I think it depends on what the topic is. So like for that, that's a review. So maybe I do a PD on just here's different ways to do review. Um, maybe I do a potty PD on it. <laughs> you know, where they stick that newsletter or that thing up while in front of the toilet so the teachers will read it. Um, maybe I do a newsletter about it, but um, it depends on what it is, what the, and, and I focus on the instructional strategy, not the tool. So I wouldn't go to a teacher and say, you know, Kahoot is being overused, let's use something else. I'd go and I'd say, let's rethink, let's think more about review games and how you review with your students and what are some other strategies for review. Love it. And that's so important. Wow. Having, having those strategies, you know, a lot of, again, many new tech coaches are listening to this. It's about building those relationships. It's about building those strategies. It's about coming up with what's right or what's wrong. This past week, again, I mentioned I'm, I'm in a new building. I did 15 or so classroom introductions and, you know, I purposely go in there and throw a bunch of dad jokes. Some of them were great. Some of them bombed. But you're using it to go, okay, this bombed in third grade, but in fifth grade it really worked because they get sarcasm a little bit more. And it's just a matter of trying to figure out, okay, what do I have? What can I do? Where do I do it? The question that I have for you, Sue, 
is where can a tech coach go to learn more about how to get these strategies and do things the right way? Come right over and see us on the Tech Coaching Network. That's right, everybody. You can go over to askthetechcoach.com and check it out. We have a free membership site. That is right, F-R-E-E, free. You can check out everything going over to askthetechcoach.com. Check out everything that we've got there, including all of our our resources, our online courses. We've got so many things going. We are now partnering up with two amazing companies. We're partnering up with Schooltube to bring you a whole bunch of our shows. We've got our videos still going up on YouTube for our Tech Coach Weeklies. And we're actually launching two, at this point, online courses this week. Um, one is all about making data dashboards. And also another one is about creating, you know, instructional coaching resources. And we're doing that with a brand new resource that just came out called EdSpark. If you don't know what they are yet, check out everything over at edspark.world. That's edspark.world. And you can check out us and many, many other people today doing some great things over at EdSpark. But Ashley, you have a different question so I'm going to do with a setup here. Ashley, where can people go to find out some amazing things and get some great resources and maybe run into a primer or two? <laughs> EdTechCoachingPrimer.com. Um, and there's also a podcast, uh, the A plus ed tech coaching podcast. It's actually a relaunch. I used to have the ed tech coaching or the ed tech, po- uh, the A plus ed tech podcast. Sorry. Um, but whenever the book uh, was getting ready to launch, I swapped it up um, because I had taken a break when I started my doctoral program because podcasting and being in a doctoral program and having kids and a full-time job was a lot. I see don't, you shaking your head, Jeff. Don't, don't say that to me. I don't want to know. No, no, you don't, don't. You can do all of this stuff on the same hour. It's okay. Yes, <laughs> all at once. It just takes a, a lot of coffee. It just takes, takes a good a co-host. T- <laughs> there you go. I didn't have that. I didn't have. I didn't have that support. You can do all this. It just takes a third monitor. It's all, <laughs> it's all you need. <laughs> Ashley, I want to say first of all, thank you. I, I yes. guarantee you guys, um, this is not going to be the last time. This is not a threat. This is not the last <laughs> time that Ashley's going to be on the show. We are certainly going to be asking her to come back and do things with us. She's got a great book, the Ed Tech. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. The EdTech Coaching Podcast, the EdTech Coaching Primer. All the links and stuff are going to be over on our show notes, episode number 156. Ashley, I would not want to let you go without first saying thank you to ISTE. They have been fantastic getting us connected, making sure that we meet and and get to know each other. We're going to be doing a lot of shows over the next month with ISTE. Uh, They're not all going to be Ask the Tech Coach shows. Some of them might be over on the TeacherCast podcast uh, channel. So don't forget to hit like and subscribe and follow to all of our different shows as we go through here. Sue, I am looking forward to this great year. I'm already looking forward to some of the things that's going on. I know as people are listening to this today on Monday, I have off today. I have off tomorrow on Tuesday. Are you guys, anybody here on a four-day holiday? No, we are off on Monday, teacher in service on Tuesday for us. Nice. Just three days here. Ashley, thank you so much. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say the last word. What, What should coaches be thinking about, motivated about, getting ready about? It's the middle of September. You've got an entire field in front of us. Time's yours. Your teachers have learned so much technology and so many different strategies having to be forced to teach online uh, through COVID. 
do not let them lose all of that. I've seen, I've heard of stories where teachers are just saying no more technology and that's not what we want. We want a good blend. So start thinking about how you can take what they knew and did well in face-to-face and what they knew and did well in remote teaching and put those two things together to make a phenomenal learning environment for our students. Ashley, thanks so much for coming on. Sue, you've got some great stuff going on in your neck of the woods. Talk to us a little bit about what's happening this week on techimaginations.net. Yeah, lots of videos coming out. Um, I'm back up going with my Tech Tip Tuesday um, and just finished recording sessions for the Back to School Shake Up Learning Conference. So if you have not registered for that, go over to shakeuplearning.com slash conference and those sessions will be available September 24th and it is free. Very exciting and uh, great speakers. There's a lot of other things that are happening over on TeacherCast. I guess I'm the only one that has off on Tuesday of this week. So I'm going to be spending it getting ready for a few things. In September, we are going to be participating, Sue and I, and the FETC Twitter chat. I, that is going to be coming up on September the 14th. If you guys are around September 14th at 5 o'clock Eastern, we're going to be doing a coaching chat. Ashley would love to see you there using the hashtag FETC talking all about coaches. And I am looking also forward to doing my next keynote address. It's actually my first, and I'm excited about this, international keynote address. Um, we're going to be doing it with a Canadian audience, and it's going to be helped uh, produced worldwide. And so more information of that coming out. I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to be actually doing a keynote, not for adults, but for students who are starting off their college journeys. So it's kind of cool working with, uh, with, with our Ute, I guess we could call it that, right? Lots of good stuff there. So other than that, check out everything over on TeacherCast and AskTheTechCoach.net. And with that, that wraps up episode number 157 of Ask the Tech. 156 of Ask the Tech Coach on behalf of Sue and Ashley and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.